Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there. I bring DC you in. Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good. Let's go and vibe with me. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there. I bring you with me. This is what I'm doing. Tell me that you wanna do it with me. This is what I'm doing. Tell me that you Welcome back to Dare to Rise, everybody. I'm your host, Nicole. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, Miss Tina K. Hello, Nicole. Hello, everybody. Hi, Tina K. How have you been? I've been doing well. I feel like I say that every single time, but <laughs> but that means you're just a really happy person. That's good. Oh, I just try and find positive and and in, uh, in my daily life and daily challenges. So it's a good practice to have. It's not that I ignore anything that's uh, challenging, but definitely try and look for all the good. So I think that's a good way of thinking and living life. Yeah. So I know you have some new changes in your life. Oh, you want to talk about my my new addition to my family? <laughs> yes, your new baby. Uh, it's a fur baby. Let's clarify <laughs> that real quick. No, no, no human babies. But um, yes, for Easter, my husband and I got our boys a, a cute little puppy for Easter. So I have a new fur baby. Her name's Ellie, and I am obsessed. I'm I'm turning into one of those people that are like <laughs> totally in love with their dogs, and I'm I'm totally okay with embracing that new chapter of my life. <laughs> I love it. I, I just love how you say how much you love her. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just love mine so much too. <laughs> no, I really do. Like I buy her stuff all the time and I've been buying so much for this dog. My oldest son was like, um, mom, um, I think you have a shopping problem. And I was like, no, she needs this. Like she needs all of this stuff. Right. No, she doesn't clearly. Well, so the Amazon guy came today and, and my son came upstairs. He's like, Dash knows now that when Amazon comes, that that means he's gotten something. <laughs> and so it's like, he smells it out. He's like, Oh, new treats. So Dash is getting spoiled by Amazon as much as I am. So I think we're just really dedicated, devoted dog moms. And that just makes us awesome. Yes. <laughs> Well, and I should share too, another great thing about, you know, spring and the, and the new year and why I always love this time of year is I've also been decluttering and doing spring cleaning and getting organized mm. at my home. Have you been starting that yet? Or is that something you yes. do? No, it is. I, I've been looking around and seeing all the corners I might need to, some <laughs> organization that I need to do. So I, I'm, yeah, no, I'm I with didn't. you on that. Right. And just being in our homes, a majority of, you know, 2020 being in our homes and now it's kind of, you know, things are um, opening back up, so to speak. And we're um, entering back into, into life. It's, I have all of the stuff I've collected mm. <laughs> over the last year. And it's like, I need to get reorganized and get things just um, looking pretty and more functionality to my, my living space or our family's living space. And that's why tonight, Tina Kay and I have this amazing, talented guest. We've got Julie Brown on. She's a organizational and cleaning specialist. So we're really fortunate to have Julie Brown on tonight. Yeah. Um, just to share. Yeah, she's, I'm really <laughs> excited to have Julie on, but just to share with our audience a little bit about Julie. Um, Julie, growing up in a family of 19 children, Julie was taught from a young age, the importance of cleanliness and organization to keep a home 
home running smoothly. After learning the various tasks of running a household, she started and has operated her own business for the past three decades, helping other families put their lives in order and developing systems using functionality tools and techniques. Julie has a passion for bringing sad, cluttered living spaces back to life and believes your home should be a relaxing, enjoyable haven. She works with many modalities to balance and uplift the home's energy, motivate the family to participate, and create habits to maintain peace and order. Julie has worked in thousands of homes from coast to coast and has never encountered a job too big. She understands the psychology behind emotional attachments and how to navigate through seemingly impossible tasks. Julie Brown, welcome to Dare to Rise. Yay, Julie. Hi, thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome. <laughs> uh, we're so excited to have you on, Julie. How have you been? Good. So we just had Easter weekend and I got to go see my family over in Eastern Oregon. And my youngest sister was born with Down syndrome. And there's kind of a funny story. We took a walk um, and there was a really steep hill. And there was one point where she was just done. She wanted to quit and go home. And we were pretty close to the top. So I got behind her and I'm kind of pushing her up the hill. <laughs> and we get to the top and I'm like, victory. And I throw my arms up in the air. And she just looks at me with this blank face and she puts one up, one arm up in the air and she's like, victim. <laughs> I was like, you're too smart for your own good. Oh, I, was great. oh I love that. So Julie, um, we're so, again, so excited to have you on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Tell us about your background. Let's die. You, we, like I was sharing in the bio, you were one of 19 kids. How was, yeah. like, tell us about that kind of a busy childhood. Well, how many names did they have to go through till they got oh. to yours? <laughs> I mean, do you want me to say them? We had to do that every day to make sure everybody was there. Oh, yes. For, so. <laughs> Let's hear it, Julie. Okay, here it goes. Yolanda, Jennifer, Peter, Angela, Thomas, Jacob, Stephen, Samuel, Julie, Melanie, Michael, Joseph, Joshua, Rigan, Kill, Miriam, Morona, Hill, and Joanna. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that deserves a round the of applause, <laughs> I can't oh. imagine, like, at the Waltons, the old TV show, when they're like, good night, John Boy, like, how long that would have to take you. <laughs> exactly. Well, th they developed this system because when we went anywhere, we had to make sure everyone was there so that we didn't leave people behind. At least that was the goal and the hope. And so... You, mom and dad knew people's voices and so they just say sound off and everyone would have to say their own name and so you couldn't really sneak out of anything because if we tried to answer for a sibling they'd be like hey I know that voice <laughs> <laughs> you're not the right kid oh that's amazing so, we were busted. so how did but, you get around with 19 kids oh I wish I weren't embarrassed about how but I kind of am <laughs> well at first you know as the kids came we kind of kept outgrowing the cars until the point where my parents finally bought a school bus. And I was really <laughs> embarrassed as a kid about it. We actually still have it sitting at my parents' house. <laughs> oh, I love that, Julie. That's, I think that's awesome. I, love I think that. they, I think they got it the year I was born. So technically I think I'm the one that tipped the scales because it was 1975. <laughs> so I guess I should be glad about it, but um, yeah, we, there was a point when 17 of us piled into a little civic Honda. Like that we were literally holding the doors. Of course, was, this was before seatbelt laws. Um, and we were holding the hatchback. There were at least probably five or six of us back there. And we were all, you know, little kids at that time. <laughs> but an officer pulled up behind us and pulled us over. And he just slowly walked around the car and looked at everything. And he's like, can I just give half of you a ride somewhere? Oh. <laughs> like, oh, no, this is normal. <laughs> we're good. 
<laughs> Holy so, cow. I um, can't I can't even imagine your parents because I I I have three boys and I said once you have two, like the third one can play out in the street. Like at that point they're running wild compared to the first one. And so um 19 19 kids but obviously that had a had a role in you becoming interested in cleaning and and organizing yeah yeah so I'm the ninth of the 19 and so by the time I came along it was kind of a well-oiled machine like they had sort of worked out all the kinks as they went because as like you said once it gets to two or three you kind of have to start developing systems to keep order and so the the way that I grew up um, really left such an impression on me that it made me want to make a career out of it because it was just, they made it so fun. And with all those different personalities, as you can imagine, they had to keep tweaking the system as they went to make sure that everything stayed in flow and was really consistent, but they had some pretty brilliant ideas that still work to this day. You know, some of them are a little bit old school. This was 40 years ago. I'm 45. So, um, mom had, a kid, mom and dad. So it's 19 kids, no twins. So a kid a year. She had 18 and 19 years. And then there's a seven year span. She thought she was done. And the last one was the total surprise, but welcomed, of course. Mm-hmm. And she was born with Down syndrome. Mom was 48. She thought she was done. So, um, but she still lives at home. The youngest one, she's 27 now. And uh, the way we did it back then was mom had a poster board that uh, started at 5 a.m. and went to 9 p.m. And every hour of the day was scheduled out. And at the time we were doing homeschool and it was convenient because we lived in an old Mormon church in Utah. So we had all that space for the kids. And so the multi-purpose room, we turned into a school room. There were blackboards all around the walls and then rows and rows of desks. And the classrooms were bedrooms. And back then it was, so it was an old adobe white flat roof church. And then there was a great big um, concrete parking lot that we could ride our bikes and we had clotheslines and we turned the other half acre into a huge garden plot and we had goats and chicken coops. Uh, so we, we had our own milk and eggs and grew our food. And then um, the, in the old church, the carpets were these different colored shag like purple and golden and green and blue. <laughs> I had gold shag growing up. Did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when we went to change rooms, it's like, who gets the blue room? Who gets the gold room? So it made it kind of fun. But the chapel, they took all the benches out and they, dad built like two or three rooms out of it. So there was a hallway all the way down. And then on one side was his library and den. And on the other side was the master suite. And then they actually, he, it was a rounded stage at the front. So he put a rounded wall there and it was actually the only room in our house that was off limits, except for uh, like prayer and meditation. If you went in there, you had to take your shoes off and you couldn't talk in there and you could go in there and like read your scriptures and pray and but kind of a religious upbringing, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> LDS background. And so um, it was cool to have a space like that in a home that big, because then we had, of course, the rec hall. And we were all quite little then. It was like 16 and under. And so we had a trampoline in there and the stage was a weight (laughs) gym and we could ride our roller skates and we had the basketball court and there was a drinking fountain. And uh, in the boys and girls bathroom, they actually put a tub and a shower in there to make them more functional. And anyway, just super fun. 
just really great childhood so, memories. So Julie, I need like a TV series about your childhood. Yes. I think that would be epic or <laughs> I need a book or something. I already, I'm picturing everything you're describing and I'm just like, that is, it's so unconventional and so cool. And I need yeah. to know more about it. Cause I think that's brilliant. And I think that's so, so you had a school bus and you lived in a church. That's pretty, I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. I love my childhood. Oh, I, I love just, I, it. I never knew anything different. I mean, there were eight older and 10 younger. And so I was just born into the middle of this mass adventure and it just continued to be forever. It still is. Everybody's still alive. <laughs> Both parents, they're still sane somehow. No, I love that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Julie. Well, I was going to say, I actually asked them at one point as I got older, because we grew up in this super strict religious environment in Utah. And then I live in central Oregon now, and there aren't as many religious people. And I've been, of 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 course, exposed to many other religions and cultures by now. And I went back to him like, how did you guys, how are you not raging alcoholics? Like if anyone's ever been justified, like, I feel like it's you and somehow you didn't. And they just laughed at me, you know, <laughs> a lot of divine help, I guess. <laughs> well, they were meditating, right? They had that, that room, the Zen room all set up. So yeah, the spiritual part worked out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Saved by grace. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you were just, you were talking about how your mom had a system and had everything kind of, um, timed out from five in the morning to nine at night. How, how did that influence impact you or lead you on you deciding to turn your organization into a business, into your career? Well, is it, so there was, um, they were teaching homeschool. And so dad would get us all up like at five or six in the morning. And I guess I just want to start this whole thing and preface in case any of my siblings ever listened to this. This is my perspective. And of course you're going to have 21 different perspectives in a family that big, you know, some people will be like, that's not how I remember it, but all I can do is give you my side. This is Julie. Well, this is Julie's story. This is Julie's story. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily it's a good one. I have a super positive side about it. So, um, so he'd line us all up like the sound of music. He was an army guy. And so we would literally, because it was a kiddie year, we were just, it was tallest to shortest and he'd wake us up. (laughs) He'd wake us up, would have to get dressed and then go line up. And they had a bell they would ring. And no matter what you were doing, you would drop it and come running. And you'd line up at attention, you know, and our whole lives weren't like super strict and rigid, but there were definitely disciplines that were a part of our daily life. And he'd go through and he'd check, make sure our shoes were tied. He'd look under our fingernails, check our ears, make sure they were clean, just that we were ready for the day. And then would have our little family prayer, daily devotional. He'd teach the, the more analytical classes like science, math. Um, history. And then he would go to work. He was a train engineer. And then mom would do all the fine arts, literature, music, all that kind of stuff. And then we would have free time scheduled in where we would all just go run chaotic outside, chase each other around, yell and scream. All the other kids in town were, well, we lived up on a hill. There weren't really close neighbors, but they were all in public school. So we weren't bothering anybody. And then uh, we would come back for quite, she was always pregnant. So we had every age, you know, like Eight seven six five four three two one newborn and she was pregnant like my whole life for seventeen wow. years straight. So should have a designated quiet time during the day, and then uh, getting to your question about the organizing scheduled into that twice a day we had job time and every single we had this super cool chart that Dad made and it was all the kids' names in a circle and then on a circle layered inside of that like with a brad like poster board 
it was all of the jobs of the house. So every single week he'd turn the circle one space to the right and to the left. And so every kid in the family was learning to do every single chore. And we had that chore for a whole entire week. So we really learned the job. And if it was hard and we hated it, we knew that after a week we were getting a new one. And they were really good about being consistent in working with us and training us. And it's so important. Like I, I look at parents now and I think it's, it's hard at first, but then once they're trained, then it lasts a lifetime. And those skills are so important to running a household and to be functional and to like some of the homes that I'm in now, some of the kids, like there, there was a 20 year old that came up to me and she was like, Hey, I'm getting married next week. And I don't know how to turn the oven on or turn the washing machine on oh or cook or, or, or budget. Or she was like, how do I was like, well, a week is kind of short notice. I'll be here another hour. I guess we could visit, you know, Did you, you so, Julie Brown crash course. <laughs> yeah. But learning those skills from a young age just seems so invaluable, you know, and th- no kid was too young to help. And it was cool the way they did it because they would assign, we had like this buddy system and they would assign an older kid to be responsible for one of the younger kids. And again, that was every week would switch partners and so the older kid would train the younger kid They'd take them on all the tasks with them. And we also had these daily charts. So we had the big poster board for the whole family. But then we all had little daily charts of um, prayer, getting dressed, brushing your teeth, making your bed, whatever job you were assigned that day, memorizing your scripture for the week. And so the older kid would help the younger kid finish their tasks. And all the charts were in the schoolroom on the wall. And as you accomplish something for that day, you'd put a little sticker on it. And then mom and dad would come through and look at the charts. And that was a way for them to manage the overall chaos. (laughs) Um, Because then they could see exactly where everyone was, what they had left, what they had done. If they were really falling behind in one area, like if they were strong in some areas, but really far behind, then they could coach them, uh, you know, on that. Hey, why is this happening? How can we support you? So, oh, and then um, one way that they made it super fun that caused me to want to do it for my whole life is it just turned really fun music on everybody would work at the same time. So it just fostered this really fun environment where I never looked at tasks as, um, as like a chore. I shouldn't say ever mom and dad probably have a different memory of that. I'm sure I had my (laughs) complaining and, you know, but one thing that really made it work is they were super consistent about our rewards and consequences. If everything was not done on our chart, we weren't allowed to go play with friends or nowadays it would be screen time. You know, they were, I remember there were two or three times and that's all it took. Um, when we tried to push the limit and we didn't get our stuff done. And then I tried to go to a friend's house or, or like a big important event. Like it might be like a school play or, you know, where we got invited out with our friends and dad was like, no, you didn't get your chart done. Like you knew that was the rule. Oh, please just this once. And he was like, <laughs> no, like you knew, like make a different choice next time. And after two or three times, we just knew he wasn't going to budge. And so it was never a question again. It was amazing training because when I'm in homes now and I see the kid beg a few times and they're like, okay, I'm like, oh, they just lost the battle. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so important to be consistent. I'm not saying it's easy. Again, I don't know how my parents did it. Like they're saints, both of them. There's nobody I respect more on the planet. (laughs) They deserve a a badge of honor. I think it's amazing because I have two kids and I, and I'm like, like I told Tina, I, I absolutely loathe laundry and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, my two kids keep me so busy. And so I'm like 19 kids. I couldn't even fathom. So my, you know, tip my hat off to them. I think that's amazing. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, laundry. I mean, that's something every single household on the planet deals with. And we were doing probably like six loads a day, just every single day. You oh, know, I hate that. I'm sorry. I hate laundry. <laughs> I, not even hate my, so one of my best friends, Andrea, if she's listening right now, or she should be listening, I should say she knows I loathe laundry. Her and I will talk about for like an hour about how much we both hate laundry. That's how much I hate it. <laughs> you just rather sit around and talk about it than get it done. You could be full yes, while you're Julie, talking. Julie, I know, but I don't want to. <laughs> Won't it fold itself? I heard that there was a machine coming out. I think it's like five thousand dollars. Oh, and probably really? it's going to be a hit. <laughs> well, she's not alone. Five thousand dollars. I'll come over. I would travel out of state to fold your laundry for five grand. <laughs> Don't tempt me, people. I'll talk to my husband, <laughs> see what I can work out. So, Julie, no, it, it just sounds like um, almost like a business. Like when you think about a family um, that size, and 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 I think about being a a businesswoman at work and how I run things differently in the workplace than I do my home. But really, it makes sense to actually incorporate some of those um, business skills to run your home better. So let me ask you, are all your brothers and sisters, um, did they, did they find that they enjoyed this too, or did they all kind of do their own, find their own path? Um, yeah. So we moved to Montana when I was a teenager and we were, we lived pretty close to a Bible college and those, the kids there became our friends and we started attending there. And like four of my brothers are Christian pastors now. Um, so everybody's kind of gone off in their own. We have roofers. We have, you know, one of my sisters runs a YouTube channel on the East Coast, um, an artist, a cop, like they're just kind of or secure, you know, just all kinds of different professions. Um, and there are definitely different personalities in the family. I have one sister, I won't name any names. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be like, I can't believe. Um, she's very, very attached to things. Like she, if she has to throw a gum wrapper away, she'll start to cry from the emotional attachments. And, and she has many children. <laughs> I say the numbers. <laughs> she already knows. Um, so no, not everyone sees things the same, but I also have seen how much peace that an organized home can bring an entire family. You just have more time to spend with your family and to spend on your hobbies and to sit and read a book and feel mentally relaxed about it. Like to me, it deeply affects every area of your life, like spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, you know, if you just walk in, you have a clean, clear space, you can, you have better relationships, better communication. You just, to me, it just like clears your soul. That's the big thing to me. It totally changes the energy of everything in your life and everything that you do. Like it's huge. So Julie, for what would your recommendation be then for people that are struggling? You were describing um, your, your sister's attachment to certain items there. We have probably a lot of people that can relate to that. What would your advice be to them to help them break that habit or kind of break that attachment? <laughs> That's a great question. And for any home, and I think, I feel like, especially if you're maybe the woman of the house or, or a guy, because there are a lot of dads that contribute or maybe they're bachelors or whatever, um, just to sit down and think of, like, start with the end in mind. 
literally like get get out a piece of paper and write what do you want your home to feel like mm. that's so huge do you want it to feel peaceful and relaxing and welcoming my belief is that your home should be your haven that should be where you go to recharge and if you go home and you're stressed and there's chaos everywhere and people fighting nobody can find anything then you're going to always be trying to get away and go on vacation and you don't want to be there you know and so uh, there are super simple things that you can do. The, the second thing I would do is get on Pinterest and start looking for ideas, how you want your home. Like a lot of people honestly don't have a vision. They're like, I, I don't know. Like they feel like they don't maybe have the money to remodel or go get new furniture or, you know, but you can start with what you have. And if you get on Pinterest and look for ideas, you can think, oh, this would work for that. And you could start just moving things around. The biggest thing is just start moving things around. Um, grab a garbage bag, run through your house and literally throw away the obvious garbage. Like there are a a handful of things that I feel like should be done every single day to just maintain peace. And that's throwing your garbage out. You know, so many people just, oh, we'll just take it out eventually. And it will just be spilling all over the kitchen and there'll be four bags there. Just run it out every single day. Um, Wipe the counters down. Try to go to bed at night with your kitchen sink empty. Push the vacuum through the main areas, if nothing else. Um, laundry is huge in every single home. It's one of those things where you're really never caught up. Cause even if you just dedicate the day to it and do it, Julie's speaking day, to me, isn't she right now? <laughs> when I did, when I did my first public speech, I was really nervous. And I talked to the person hosting and I said, I, f- I feel like I should start this and say, now no one take this personally. And they're like, no, start out by saying everyone I take should take everything I say personally <laughs> I want everyone to take this because here's the truth I have been in so so many homes and a lot of this stuff most of this stuff is common to so many people and so as I tell stories people are going to be like I can't believe you ratted me out I promise you're not alone I probably am not talking about you or or I am but there are a hundred of you so mm-hmm. so either don't take it personally or do and then decide that it's going to be amazing to make some changes you know whatever yeah, <laughs> but I love that well and so like for me my grandmother um was raised she didn't they didn't have running water they had dirt floors and stuff and so when she did get a home that had a toilet she um her house was spotless and um growing up, my mom and I would joke that you could crawl under one of her beds and you come out cleaner on the other side because it was that clean. Amazing. But because my grandma was such a clean freak, my mom is not a clean freak. (laughs) So I didn't, I didn't grow up really understanding how to clean either. Like I kind of figured out some things, but I wish that I had somebody that could say, Hey, here's a tip and a trick. So that's why I like Pinterest is because it gives me some tips and tricks. So what kind of advice do you have for people that want to make a few changes? Like you said, the garbage, the clean sink, but what, what are some of your best best tips that are, um, quick and easy, make it, make it, make a big difference. Um, one of the things I see is just overwhelm. Like parents will send their kids in to clean their room and the kids don't really know what to do. And honestly, a lot of times the parents go in and scratch their head and they don't really know what to do either. Parents have told me like my, my mom never trained me, mm-hmm. so I don't have the skills. And there are so many homes I go into and there's just, everything's mixed together, right? You take a kid's room and there's dirty dishes, toys, books, socks, everything you can think of. Sometimes dog poo and it's all mixed together and kids just go in and all they know how to do is shove it under the bed or into the closet and close the door. And that's like their best, you know? And so (laughs) I would recommend 
um, having a space for everything. The whole bottom line in, in a sentence is a system. And a system is that everything has a place and everyone knows where that is and they put things away when they get done using them. And the system only works if you work. People can have me come in for three grand a day, but if they don't put things away, what what good does it do after the first week? You know, um, one way that's really, really easy is you go into a pile like that and literally just start categorizing. Like I say, have a garbage bag, have a donate box right on hand. And one thing that might be a good idea is have a an empty box by the door in the entry or somewhere kind of out of the way. And all throughout the day, as you see things that you just know your family's done with, put it in that donate box. Mm-hmm. And when it's full, go drive it and drop it off. And maybe just that. kind of oh, continually like have a donate box. I mean, I live alone right now and I do that. You know, I'm always just coming across stuff like, and I think a good calendar year is a great barometer for what you're done with. If you just went through all the seasons and you didn't wear those clothes, you're not going to, like, there's a reason <laughs> you don't like them. Some people say six months, but give it a year because then you've gone through all the seasons and like give yourself a break and just donate that make room for new energy. Um, but it can be so much more easy than not like just break it down into smaller tasks. I re- I mean, I go through stages too. You know, I have my home in a place now where it's re- very maintainable. Um, but there have been times where I've just gotten busy, things pile up. And this one time I was just really overwhelmed and I just was sitting home after work looking around I was like I don't even know where to start like I do this all day long every day and it's I don't even know where to start and I remember I picked up one spoon and I'm like I know this goes in the sink and that's a start and it just got the wheels turning you know um so sometimes you just literally have to break it down into super small tasks think about the elephant eat an elephant one bite at a time and sometimes that's just what it takes we all have those areas that are really, really difficult for us, whether it's memorabilia, things from an ex, childhood things are huge because what do you save? And I just, while we're there, I want to hear you touch on that because I've been in homes where they saved it for the 20 years. The kid moved away from home and didn't want it. And then they just saved that whole huge plastic bin for 20 years and nobody wants it. So keep a couple things from each year, like the essay or uh, the fun story. You don't need like the old math homework and make a binder. And then like a binder is fine. And nowadays you can take a picture and it saves all the space and you can just let everything else go. Like homework is, and hopefully it's not getting as bad these days with all the electronics, but that's just papers. It's one of those things that can just make your entire home seem so cluttered, you know? And overwhelming. So I just to touch on what you were just sharing, Julie, when my kids weren't doing online school, they would bring home just, I swear, it felt like the backpack was like never ending filled with papers. And they're like, here you go, parents. And then I'm sitting there going, oh, that means I have to keep this right. So before I knew it, my junk drawer in the kitchen was just filled with paper. And I just, everything I can relate so much to what you're saying, Julie. And then finally, I was just like, so this has got to go. Like 
you won't, you don't care about this math test that you had in second grade. You know what I mean? Like longevity. And so it was just more of, Oh, this really cute thing you did in art class. We'll keep that. And I exactly what you described, Julie, a binder or a folder or whatever people's organization systems are. But I started doing that. And now my junk drawer is like free and it's like the best feeling. Thank you, Julie. Um, and I do have to go back, Julie, because what you're describing as much as I hate laundry and I'm being funny about it. I agree. I can't just express truly how much you were saying when your house is clean, when your laundry is put away, when you wake up in the morning or when you come back from work and you come into your space and it's just welcoming and clean. I just, it really does just bring like an internal piece. Like this is my home and you can relax where if you have stuff and chaos everywhere, you can feel that internally. So just really just to attest to everything you're saying is just so true. Well, and the, the laundry thing honest, I mean, that rule really does apply that we wear 20% of our stuff, 80% of the time, most of our closets, we could probably pull out a hundred things and donate it and be fine and keep our favorites. And by, by getting rid of the stuff that doesn't fit, like by the time it fits, it's going to not be trendy anymore. We're probably not going to like it, you know, like let that stuff go live in the moment. Um, let it go to, you know, one lady didn't want to let go of her $400 pants, but she was never going to wear them again. It had been a decade. I'm and sorry, she donated $400 what? <laughs> right? Like, so finally she let these pants go. And then they went to some lady at a shelter that was going to go have her first interview and she had never oh, had nice things yeah. and she got the job and then everyone was happy, you know? Oh, so that's beautiful. Yeah. And you don't have to throw your nice things away. The goal isn't just to throw all your stuff away, but it's to scale it down to, do you need it? Use it, want it and love it. I love that. You should not have things in your house that are a question that I heard Tiffany Peterson ask it. And I don't know if she got it from somewhere else, but I have her name by it, but uh, she always says, does it inspire you or expire you? Mm -hmm. And it, like, if you go get in your car, is it dirty and cluttered? Is it making you feel yucky every time you get in? And even your decor, your paint colors, your, you know, when you go in, it should just uplift your energy. It should bring you joy. It should make you want to be in that space. It should make you want to clean that space. Like you should love all of your stuff so much that, and there are things like, okay, maybe you're a student and you have textbook. Maybe you don't love those, but you need them right now. You know, but even stuff that you use all the time, like your kitchen dishes, if you don't love them, like you can, you can buy a whole set for like 12 bucks nowadays. Like it does, it doesn't have to break your bank to get things in your home that you love, you know? So I, that's what I would encourage. Like if something is making you feel yucky all the time, get it out of your space. Yeah. I like that. I was just thinking about the energy of a house versus at the energy of a home. And I know the place I live right now, I I feel is my home and it's emotional because I feel, I feel at peace. I feel just fabulous in this place. And, and I think it's interesting how, um, like in, when I was younger and, and going through different homes and thinking about um, purchasing a home and you see everybody's belongings there and you have a sense of the energy um, walking through somebody's house. And so tell us about like what we can do to adjust the energy or kind of what each room represents, like intimacy or cleanliness or, you know, those kind of things, Julie. Yeah. And that's huge. Like when I started out, it was just a cleaning business. 
but eventually over time it morphed into kind of a more spiritual practice in some ways because I did start realizing that the resonance and the atmosphere affected the energy and it affects how you feel and how you begin your day and how you interact with your family. And my parents were really big on you're in charge of your environment. And so they were really careful about what are you bringing into it? What kind of music are you listening to? What kind of TV shows are you watching? Um, Again, not to call anybody out, but I've been in homes where just really, really violent video games are being played by young kids. And then the kids are literally raging just screaming. Like I, I literally thought someone was being murdered one day (laughs) and I was like, Oh my gosh, your kid is dying right now. And I don't, I'm too scared to go in there because I'm sure the killer is in there and he'll get me too. And she was like, Oh yeah, he does this all the time. And I was like, so, um, we went in there and they were blowing people's heads off. And I was like, don't you think that's affecting his psyche? And she was like, Oh no, it's just a game. Of course it's not. And I was like, Oh, for sure. I promise you it is like, it's, it does affect. It's like our brains don't know the difference between reality and fiction. And so just what, what um, we put in is what comes out. And it's been interesting. I've just seen this consistent pattern over time. The people that are just super depressed and just can't get their lives going. They just feel so muddled down. I can go in and just look around their environment and be like, everything in here is expiring you. It's not inspired, you know, mm. um, the frequency and energy and all these things. I, over time, I've kind of gotten into these systems like saging to clear the energy, mm-hmm. um, crystals make a difference that again, the kind of music you listen to. Um, and I've, I have gotten into this practice where I've started blessing the homes before I go. I've started this routine within my own business where I will get up an hour early just to put my intention out in front of the day before I go there, I'll pray over the houses, the clients, their belongings there. Cause a lot of times I'm there and I find things before the parents find them, I'll find pregnancy tests in the kids' rooms or, or drugs, or, you know, in the early days, I wondered like, Oh, is it my job to go tell them? But a lot of times that makes you the enemy, right? The parents don't want to believe it's happening. They don't want to take responsibility that they don't want to think their kid is bad. And so you get the blame. And so what I do now is, uh, I'll clean around that stuff and I'll leave it. It's the, it's the family's responsibility to figure it out. If it seemed life-threatening, maybe I would mention, but what I did was just start to pray over that situation and ask for guidance and intuition and angels. And I just started really seeing things shift in my business. Um, people would come home and they're like, wow, they'd walk in the door and they're like, this just feels different. I would bring my little diffuser and diffuse oils mm. and people started seeming to really notice that that different in the resonant frequency. And so even being there for a few hours, you can change the atmosphere and the energy of your home with intention and a few simple things like oils, you know? So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, it does. Like what kind, what sense do you um, recommend for people to burn? So my favorite is called citrus bliss and it's from doTERRA. And it's a bunch of citrus oils mixed together, like the grapefruit, orange, tangerine, lemon. So just an oil diffuser, Julie. Yeah. And those notes in the citrus are actually scientifically proven to uplift moods. So honestly, I put it in my water. 
I put it on my body. I diffuse it. Like I smell like an orange everywhere I go, but, <laughs> but then everybody's always really happy around me. So it's a, it's a bonus. Everybody wins. But are human um, sensory people though? Like you, you, if you experience something positive and there's a scent attached to that, that kind of reminds you every time you smell of smell that scent of happiness or joy or something positive and uplifting. Yeah. And getting to know the oils, like if someone's super high strung or if a teenager is dealing with anxiety or a special needs person, or even a pet, I might diffuse uh, lavender because it's super, super calming and it just um, engages those senses. Um, I've been in situations where, again, I was telling you how I like pray over the homes and then I, I listen for the impressions and some, sometimes I'll go to leave and I'll just feel super impressed. Like take this forgiveness blend today or take serenity or and so I'll take that and find out that someone just lost a family member or they've had a big fight or they've and it will just bring this whole different piece and the people walk over and they'll just like be sniffing the oil and their face will be in it and they'll just like start hugging my diffuser and like can I just keep this can I just have this and on I signed up to sell the oils as a business and I've probably given away 20 diffusers I just I'm like yeah you need to have this it's (laughs) life-changing I still haven't done it as a business, but I probably could have made a million by now. (laughs) But I think you really, you you live what you believe that a home should be a haven. And that's what you're wanting to help your clients support and cultivate within their own personal lives. And so that's why you're seeing that need. And it's like, no, you really do need, you really do need this. Well, and especially when they notice the difference. I mean, I know it works for me and I do it in my own home. And then when they come home and they notice, I've I've had people on multiple occasions come and they're just like, here's just like an extra hundred dollars because you brought joy into our house. Here's just a tip for making my, my house happy, you know? And so over time it went from house cleaning to, it was more like healing your home. I just look at it kind of like a living, breathing organism that's there to support you, you know? It's so true. Like, um, I, I know that, um, I, for people that are listening that know that I've been through a divorce, it's fine. Um, but I know going through a divorce, I was thinking those poor people that buy our house, like, what does that energy feel like for them moving in? And will I be responsible for somebody's future divorce or (laughs) working? And so we burned a lot of sage in that house just to make sure that people had a a good foundation for moving in and having a relationship. But um, I know walking into this one, I I, I just feel like what you're saying is so true that our homes or houses, um, the houses have an energy, but they are a breathing home for what brings our families together. And, and I feel like uh, now Nicole gave me a diffuser too. And so when I burn things um, or burn oil or however you refer to that, um, it does make my bedroom diffuse oil. Thank you. I'm like, no, burn I fires. No, I don't I was, know. I was like, girl, this ain't a candle. These are essential. Oil. <laughs> I, I still think about our candle conversation and the greasy mechanic that uh, oh, sets that I'm wanting with Deanna and with Deanna, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. the art box, yeah. But when I when we diffuse those oils, like my kids are asking me for diffusers for their room too because it does bring you um, clarity and peace. And when you're not feeling good, peppermint, and I just love that. So I agree that I feel like my home is a breathing organism. 
and it I feels good. I think that's such a profound way to look at it though, truly. Mm-hmm. I, it really, and it really does. I love what you're saying, Julie, about setting your intention because truly, you know, if you're setting your intention for, for positive, for good, that's what's going to come out of it. And your clients can feel that, which is so amazing that you're, you're sharing that and using your skill set and your passion to uplift other people. Thank you. Yeah. When I, um, I mean, when I first started into this, it seemed really weird. Like I still feel a little bit weird talking about it sometimes because religions haven't necessarily like really, um, embraced it yet. Like a lot of people are aware of it. Some people are doing it, but there's still definitely some people that are like, that's voodoo. It's weird. What are you, what are you doing? You know, but I've taken, I've had my diffuser with me. And like, I remember one house, the lady had just had a miscarriage and she had been in her room for like, she was on like day three. She had a headache. She was sad. She was just not, you know, she was just Carper, miserable. Absolutely. And I said, Hey, I have this diffuser if you'd like it. And she was like, yeah, I've had a migraine for days. Like I'm throwing up. I'm just overwhelmed. So I put a little peppermint and some lavender and just some calming breathing oils in and she came out and I've used some citrus and she came out probably I mean it was before I left the house so within the hour and she was like my headache broke she's like are these magic like what is it she goes I honestly I thought it was like kind of snake oil but I didn't care trying it because (laughs) nothing else had worked she goes but literally it's gone and she started visiting and laughing like it literally just changed her whole mood and even I was like wow. Uh, yes, they are magic actually. <laughs> well, and Julie, I, I think it might be more of a testament to your ear spirit and your intention. And your, your intention was to bring her peace and uplift her in a moment where she was feeling ultimate heartache and you just showed her kindness and love. And so I, I definitely think you had a big, bigger role than maybe what you realize in helping lift her spirits. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for that. It is. I, I really do, you know, care about these families and the you know, what happens there. Um, you're around, I mean, it's such a sacred, um, opportunity to go into people's homes. Cause you're dealing with all of the stuff that's most important to them, right? Their children, their firearms, their jewelry, their mail their And even though maybe you don't touch all that stuff or even see all that stuff, that's like a really big deal for people to let you in and see behind their walls, yeah. you know, um, everything gets exposed and to be able to hold the space without judgment and really just be there to bless them and serve them and change the energy and help how you can, um, can really make a difference. But I promise it's, I believe that there's so much divine help from the other side. Like it's, that's why I say it's way more than just cleaning because, um, I, I honestly believe I have a huge team of angels (laughs) that comes and helps me. So I love it's a big deal. Okay. So Julie, from everything that you've experienced with your business and, and your childhood, what could you, what, what can you say you have learned about yourself or what would you give advice to your younger self? The first thing that comes to mind is just to participate in life. I grew up so shy in some ways and I just sit on the sidelines and I think, Oh, when I'm better, when I'm, you know, more of whatever, then, then I'll participate. Then I'll be worthy and I'm 45 and I'm still not worthy. I'm like, I'm just going to get in the game. Otherwise I'm going to miss it. It's going to pass me by. Get in um, the game, Julie. <laughs> exactly. When I lived in Utah, I had a connection and I had a call to be in touch by an angel when they were still filming that. And it sounded so fun. I wanted to do it so bad, but I thought, oh, I have to learn how to become a professional actor before I, before I say yes. Well, the, the didn't have, I actually went and took classes and and got online and 
I still didn't feel good enough and I missed the opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, Julie, so, so I have many to oppor- ask, where does that come from? Cause I think you're awesome the way you are. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I'm just trying to play more, just keep everything more lighthearted and, um, realize that we just learn as we go, you Absolutely. know, um, I mean, it could have been the same thing with this, like, oh, I better go spend the next 20 years and learn to be a public speaker before I get on and visit with these people. And I thought, you know, I talk to my sisters every single day. And if it's like that, we're just going to get on and have an amazing time. And we're going to laugh and tell stories and share and all learn from each other. And then, you know, it will be over and I wouldn't have missed out. So yeah, I think that's the advice. Just participate in life. Get in there and you'll learn as you go. I love that. Mm -hmm. And recognize the value that you have. Because again, Julie, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Julie, one thing that we always ask our guests are um, if you could share a time when you had to dare to rise. Um, and it can be any time in your life. Uh, but is there something that you think about where you really had to just pick up and rise above? Yes. So being ninth of 19, we referred to ourselves as an organism and a unit. And we were like one and we kind of had to be to keep the ship afloat. And so, and, and then with the church extending past that, you're still part of something bigger. And so as I, as I got older and people started kind of moving away and getting their own families and their own belief systems, I was kind of forced into figuring out what my individual identity was. Mm. And that's kind of hard when you're part of a tribe. And especially if some of your practices don't agree with everyone and they're never going to like right off the bat, you realize no two people have the same belief system. And so I kept trying to go and make sure my, my new beliefs were okay with the church and with the family and with the, and of course there were always people that are like, no, that's not safe. Do not burn sage. That's like the smoke of the devil. Like never do that. And I'm like, no, but, um, it was really positive and it had a good outcome. And they're like, yeah, you're super deceived. The smoke is clouding your vision. Uh, Don't do it. I was like, so I had to get to that point where I was just okay with finding my individuality, hearing the voice of God for myself. Um, If that, if the Bishop didn't agree, I had to just step back and say, well, I guess my message isn't for you particularly because you're going to find people out there that do agree with you and your message is for them. So I think that's how I've had to rise is just becoming okay with my truth. I love that. I do too. So Julie, what, what's coming up in your future? What excites you personal or business? What, what is something that makes you excited for the future? Well, I'm really excited because I'm working on a book right now about the fun stories of my childhood. And I am putting a chapter in there in my newfound spirituality. Um, these angels and my my intuition have kind of expanded into something new and grander for me the last couple of years. I've started having experiences in homes where um, family members that have passed have come and I've been able to really see major, major shifts in certain homes um, by, I'm try, I, you can tell I'm still trying to be careful how I word things. I'm thinking of this religion and that Christian brother, and I'm trying to like, <laughs> hate everyone. I'm never going to make everybody happy. So I'll just try to 
but I think, but, um, but I think the most important thing, Julie, that you said is you living your truth and being your authentic self and being okay with other people. They not may not be on board with it, but this is your life and these are your beliefs. And this is what is important. going to say this with boldness then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a super quick story. Um, I was, there was a, maybe I shouldn't tell it because it's, it's going to, it makes me a little bit emotional because some of the homes that I'm in, the families are entrenched in so much grief and so much hardship um, from all different kinds of things, losing a spouse or a dad, or they've been severely abused and a lot of times people have all this clutter because they're it's a protection. It's like an outside mm. um, barrier so that nothing can get close enough to, to them to hurt them again. And there was a point a few years ago, not too long ago, two or three years ago, where um, I was cleaning for three different families that had lost their dad. And they, ironically, each of the family had a couple of kids that were both like nine to 11. So they were pretty young. and um I was just I was praying about it one day at home and I was just bothered and I was like god the energy is so heavy like I I don't want to go there I was like I work so hard every day on keeping my energy up why why have I attracted this and I just really clearly heard this message that said well, can't you take some of that positive energy and go try to uplift theirs <laughs> I thought well yeah, <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> and so again, I mean, that's when I really, really started getting intentional and taking the oils and praying first. Cause I, I had to, like, I did not want to go back to these places. And one of the ladies had called me and she, and I, I think in all three of these situations, the dad had taken his life. And so it was just this tremendous, uh, space to be in. And, uh, I got in there and uh, a lot of times they don't want to move things around. They want things left as they are. But in a few of these cases, it had literally been years, like three years, nine years, and they just weren't moving forward. And um, I'm trying to figure how much, how deep I should go with this. I, I actually started seeing souls. One day I just, I saw the dad standing there, the spirit of the father. And I had never seen anything like that. I had not prayed for that. It kind of scared me coming from the religion I did. And I was like, oh yeah, that was my imagination. I just made that up. I don't want to see that. And I I looked down and I looked back up and of course he was gone. It, you know, it was just out of my peripheral. And he just said, look, you're here to help my family and I want to help my family. And here's how you can do it. I know my family really well. Like that jacket's been over the chair since I died. The energy needs oh, wow. to be moved. Like, mm -hmm. don't, don't throw things away. Don't traumatize the family, but move things, clean things. Here's how you can start shifting. And in, in a, a year's time, less than a year, that lady just started cleaning out closets. I would get there every other week and her porch would just be loaded with donate stuff. There's something in that energy that broke that just changed their lives, you know? And of course I was praying and I was a lot of that stuff they're not home and I just do silently and assuming that there are cameras and audio I try to do a lot of this quietly but likely they've caught me praying under my breath or singing a worship song or you know, mm -hmm. but um but the little girls started talking to me at that house and one little girl said she had seen her dad 
after he passed. She was just in the kitchen and she looked over and that was the same house that I had, I had, you know, communicated with him. And so, I mean, I just believe that there are bigger divine things at work to help us and to shift. And that if we believe that we have a purpose there and we going to try to serve and to have that intention that it can make a really big difference. And it's all of us working together, you know? Well, thank you for sharing that, Julie. It just shows what kind of compassionate and kind hearted person that you are. That, I guess that went kind of deep for house cleaning, but. <laughs> but when you really think about it, it is deep. Like when you were discussing about, you know, people behind closed doors, that's where you really are your most vulnerable. When you really think about it, when you talk about vulnerability is what we, you know, what we look like, how we behave. Like this is where people truly behind closed doors are their authentic truth. And you're you are being a part of that and witnessing that. And that's very vulnerable, vulnerable for, um, for people and to, you know, be a part of, you know, impact bringing positive change and, and love and compassion. Like you were saying, no judgment. I think that is an, a, a pretty amazing, special thing to be able to witness. Well, and, and on that point, it, it wasn't always that way you know, years ago, I went into one home and every single week, it looked like a bomb had gone off. And I'd spend 12 hours every single week at that house and get everything looking like a magazine. It would just be pinned, It would be organized, put away. And I'd come, and I didn't realize that there were emotional attachments and there were, you know, one day I got it really in a lot of resentment one day. And I was just grumbling under my breath. And I was just, how could people live this way? And, you know, I was just, I was just annoyed. There would be mold and food on the carpet and Um, one day the lady shared with me that she had been severely abused by her father when she was younger. And after she shared her story, I was just like, how have you made it this far? Like, how have you even survived? I don't even know how I would do like, you're doing so well that you're just here, you know? And that one experience changed my whole perspective. I did start going in with compassion and non-judgment. I'm like, everybody has a story and there's a reason like people wouldn't just necessarily pick to live this way. Right. And when I, when I showed up with that different demeanor, like when I went in there, just like, Oh my word, how can I help? Um, people just totally started pouring their hearts out. And I would just like, like religious people, people high up in the church, they would just literally like, tell me about their affairs and their all different, what their what money they're hiding from their spouse. And I actually started going to counseling. Like I wasn't a I wasn't a therapist, but they were telling me so much. I want to put myself into counseling work better and navigate those situations and go up in a space where I wasn't judging and how I could help and maybe what I could suggest or what not to say. So it's just become this whole entirely different situation for me. That's so rewarding on so many levels, you know, and being able to help the kids. And um, I don't know if we're short on time, just to real quickly touch on a question you asked a little bit ago and we kind of skipped over and that's that the rooms in your house really do reflect the different aspects of your life. Um, I've noticed people that that are having intimacy issues, like people that are having affairs. Um, I just noticed this pattern that hit me one day so strongly. I'm like, they have like dirty sheets, no sheets. Like they just don't care about that part of their life. They're not watering their grass or they're not giving their marriage attention. Um, or people that were just dealing with um, health issues, nutrition issues, their kitchens were just overwhelmed, cluttered. The countertops aren't clear there. You know, I'm like, 
So that's kind of reflecting on how they're nourishing their soul. Mm. You know, the bathroom, what are you not eliminating? People are just hanging on to like toxic relationships, habits, addictions. And so I just started realizing how our soul is manifesting in the different spaces of our home. So if there's an area that's really overwhelming to you, it's just an invitation to look at what inside of you gets to get loved more in that area. Oh, that's beautiful, Julie. Mm-hmm. I just appreciate all your vulnerability to share uh, the tips and tricks and what you've learned, what you've experienced as you've gone into these homes. When you're talking about, um, like I know personally, it seems like my bedroom is the last thing that I ever clean. And and what you're saying makes sense because I'm still trying to learn how to put myself first in in the things that I do to, for my own self-care. And so it's so crazy hearing you talk and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I don't clean. I don't, my room gets clean very last. And that's a, that's a big representation of kind of how I treat myself too. So, um, and then the other thing I wanted to say too, is the, uh, when people are being very vulnerable and sharing things with you, it's like, it, it does align with when we're cleaning and purging our surroundings, that includes some of that internal cleanliness, you know, uh, getting, getting stuff out so you can heal from it. And, um, and be clean totally. inside and outside. <laughs> yeah, I believe that our what's going on inside is kind of a manifestation of our homes. And so, so more self-care. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Putting this, bump yourself up on the priority list. <laughs> so Julie, when is this, when is your book um, soon to be a TV series? When is this book going to be available <laughs> or where are you at with your writing? I really would watch this as a TV series. I'm being totally honest. I, find I just figured with interesting. all the reality. With all the reality TV shows out there, I'm kind of surprised. I think the Duggars kind of did something Man, I don't think they um, got nothing on you, girl. I think it's. <laughs> I think that's so neat, um, just everything that you um, described. And if you don't mind sharing, I loved when um, we when I first met you, Julie, how you shared about um, when you guys, when your family mo- first moved to Oregon and you guys couldn't find a home <laughs> where you guys lived for a little bit. Yeah, so we just, uh, my, we had gone on vacation to Oregon and my parents loved it and decided they wanted to retire there. And so um, when dad retired, we packed up the school bus and took our belongings and we headed out. And it was, I mean, back in the day, there wasn't Google, there wasn't the internet, right? This was 35 years ago. And so we were just going to cross that bridge when we came to it. So we got to this tiny little town and there was nothing available. It, luckily, it was uh, springtime. It was just going into summer. And so we drove up to the National Forest and we just set up camp. We we pulled the trampoline out. We hung clotheslines. I <laughs> so love we, were, we were off the beaten path, but we literally, we were bathing in the creek. We were cooking over a fire. We were washing our laundry in the, you know, in the river. And honestly, I thought it was a grand adventure. I never I thought of that. us as homeless. Mm-hmm. I just were like, yay, we're camping, you know. And what, just, it was a grand adventure though. Truly. I think, yeah. I think when you talk about your childhood for me too, I, it's very, um, it's magical. I think living in a, a I I'm a big hiker. I love going to national forests and national parks. So I'm like, this is just such a dream. How the ultimate adventure for an outdoors person. <laughs> yeah. And my, my parents, they were always, everything was a lesson, right? They were teaching us to be resourceful and self-sufficient. And I feel like there's nothing I can get into that. They're, like okay well what's next how do we get out of this how do we bridge this gap like nothing seems overwhelming and that's why I said no job is too big literally I've been in stuff like oh this would take a team or no I got this it's like a puzzle you know 
give it, give me a day. We'll have this dialed in. <laughs> I love that. So, I love that, Julie. And one thing that you mentioned earlier in our conversation that I think is really um, vital just to bring that to the forefront of what we're talking about real quick is just the importance of like training or educating people how to do tasks that really are invaluable for your, your life, knowing how to do the dishes, how to balance a checkbook, how to do laundry. It's amazing what you were saying, just kind of as society has shifted, how many people in our youth don't know how to do that. And then they're kind of left, um, kind of helpless in a sense. Like, I don't know how to do run a dishwasher. or I don't know how to do laundry or run a, 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 a laundry washer. I can't even know what they're called anymore. <laughs> it's like burning oil. <laughs> yes. Burning. But really though, when you think about it, cause I sit there and I'm thinking with my own kids, my kids do, um, I don't call them chores. I call them jobs. And like yeah. what you were saying, like I, at first, I remember initially it was kind of frustrated with my kids. I'm like, Get, go put your laundry away. But they legit didn't know what that meant. So my husband and I went into the rooms and they're like, this is what it means when we're saying, put your laundry away and how to make your bed, right? And how to use the, um, we have for our wood floors, the, the vacuum cleaner, right? To clean. You have to really do teach your kids and what you're saying. It really, it, not even kids, even us as adults, that those are invaluable skills. And I love what you're saying. No job is too big and it's whatever comes my way, I'm going to overcome. Yeah. And, and that's some of the stuff that you can teach your kids to make it fun, like problem solving. And there's immediate gratification seeing what they've accomplished and uh, um, age appropriate stuff. I mean, by the time we were five, I promise you, we were standing on a stool and doing dishes. Like we didn't have a dishwasher. My dad joked and said, he's like, well, I have a dozen of them. No, we don't need to buy one. <laughs> But um, honestly, a kid, a, a five-year-old is not too little to show them how to start the washing machine and, and put the darks in and, and what button to push and show them where the setting is. I, I mean, even right now, I'm in homes where they're teenagers and the parents are, I don't think they're old enough to turn on the washer and to clean the bathroom. I'm, they're leaving home next year. Like they're going to feel so dysfunctional if you don't teach them. Well, and by the time they're eight or nine, they're, they're old enough to be doing it well and mm -hmm. getting it right. You know, um, my little niece or whoever was over at my parents' house just a week ago, 15 months old, played with all the blocks, put them back in the, the container. And all she needed help with was snapping the lid on, you know, um, making it functional is huge. If you have a toy box that the lid is too heavy for the kid, then it's going to like slime his fingers and he can't put stuff away. I hate big, deep bins. Stuff falls to the bottom. You never see it again. You don't use it. Use stuff that's actually functional. Either have them clear and shallow so you can see and put stuff away. If the kids are smaller, put a picture on it. Um, have the shelves low enough. If you want them to put laundry away, make sure that they can hang it where they can reach it. Don't have their drawers so full that the drawers won't close. Like there's just so much stuff that the kids are just overwhelmed. They don't need 5,000 toys. They, they need 10 toys. I mean, I know some people are going to argue with that, but. Oh, it's no, just, it's, I don't think any parent would, because in reality, your kids, and usually it's the cheapest toy too, if we want to get real with it, you spend all this money yeah, and they're the cardboard like, exactly, mm -hmm, right? and it's the pack. exactly. And that's what they play with a lot, but they really don't need 5,000 items. Truly. They don't even use that. So it is, you know, it's, it, it does turn into clutter. Um, I could even speak right now to my own, my own kids' playroom. It's like, I can't even remember the last time I've seen them play with certain items. So mommy definitely will be spring cleaning and purging to get our, our to get their kids' room more functional. Cause I, every, all of the things you've been sharing, I'm like, um, writing notes, I got to do this. Okay. I love that idea. <laughs> so well, and I, one, 
I remember one mom was really incensed that I suggested that. And she and she literally had so many toys. The kids would just go in and they'd pull something out. They were all cool. They were all expensive. They were all the latest things. She handed them a toy magazine and said, circle everything you want. Not anything, everything. And then she wow. bought it all. And they would just pull the bin out and dump it and go to the next thing. And as soon as the whole playroom was trashed, they'd walk out. Oh and then goodness. I would get to and then I would get to go organize it. And it's not that I I minded, but it was just not functional. It wasn't fun for the kids or well, the parents. Are, and what were the, we what are we teaching the kids? What were we teaching them? Right. The and so I don't res- <laughs> it, well, exactly. And I don't respect it. I don't mm-hmm. respect the stuff. I'm not responsible for it. And I don't care about taking care of it, right? It's just um, it's almost it's like a disrespect to the item and to the space. Yeah. And I would love to touch on respect. I don't know if we need to do another show or if you have a minute. Oh, you're, I, it's a you're, big, you're, you're good, Julie. Go ahead. Tell us what you're sharing about respect. It's a big, big issue. So when, when kids have chores, it teaches them that they're part of something bigger. They're part of the household. They belong. And you can have extra chores and give them allowance, but they shouldn't be getting paid for basic things that they should just be doing. You know, everyone should have, all kids should have a couple jobs that they do just because they live there. Um, there, there was a teenager that I was crawling around on my hands and knees, picking up garbage and he was playing video games and throwing his candy wrappers at me while I was cleaning. And I, I just stopped. And we had had this conversation multiple times about, Hey, here's the garbage. I'm going to put it right beside you. Just put the garbage in there. He was so lazy. He would literally pee in the garbage can in the playroom Stop, so he didn't have Julie. to walk to the. No, is and it, I just thought, is this truth, Julie? <laughs> this particular day, I just thought, you know what? I'm enabling bad humans. Like I'm not actually making the planet a better place. Because what is this teaching him about? How is he going to treat a wife? Is it right. just a female's responsibility to crawl around and pick up after him? Like, I just it's, it's a big deal to teach kids chores, to teach them to be respectful, um, to teach basic hygiene habits. If you don't teach a young lady how to dispose of her feminine things properly, um, she's not going to grow up to be a woman that does that. And they're going to leave other things when they're married around for other people to clean up. And then this has happened. Someone puked on the carpet by their bed and put a towel over it and said, oh, Julie will be here next week. She'll clean it up. Like, we just need to change the thinking to there are basic (laughs) things that we should just do every day for ourselves because we're human and we're sacred beings and we deserve to live in a beautiful space that's cared for. You know, it's a good plan. Uh You know, even Uber has like, they make you pay a lot more if you throw up in their car. So I (laughs) think you need to adjust (laughs) Adjust, adjust your your rates, Julie. So um, touching back. So your book, are you, when is, when are, when is that going to be published or when will your book be available? It's it's at the editor. So it'll be, it should be out this year. I don't know exactly, but it should be out this year. That's exciting. So, so we'll make sure to share that information. And we'll bring you back on when yes. it releases. Oh, <laughs> yay. Thank you. That would be It'll wonderful. Be awesome. um, Julie, can can you share the title of your book? Well. Or do you want right to wait? Now, right now, it's going to be Healing Your Home. Oh, but it might change. Like we'll it. see if the editor approves. So. Awesome. 
No, I think that's so exciting. Really though, Julie, it was such an honor to have you on Dare to Rise tonight. And thank you so much for sharing your kindness, your love, and a lot of great, amazing tips, especially for people like me that are going to be starting our spring cleaning. And that's, I really do love this time of year because it really is like you're starting anew. If that makes for sense, sure. it's like I'm starting on a, a clean slate. So thank you, Julie, for coming on. And you're just a beautiful person. And I, I'll speak for me and Tina. Be so proud of yourself that you're living your authentic truth. There's people who live their whole lives and they don't ever um, own that, or they're afraid to to speak to that and live to that. And you're doing that. So I think that's really honorable and amazing. Well, thank you so much for that. And just just a quick summary because the whole you really want people to feel empowered, like they can go out today and do something. So just a couple simple things, grab a garbage bag, run around your house, throw away any obvious garbage, run around and grab like a hundred things from your house and put it in a black contractor's bag to donate and then haul it out. Like, don't look at it again. And, and then just categorize stuff. Make sure the dishes are in the sink, the laundry's in, the books are on the shelf. And just that alone will totally free up your space. And then you'll be able to start scaling down keep what you love and life will be beautiful. No, oh, thank you, Julie. I love all your tips. I just appreciate you coming tonight and talking to us. And I can't wait to apply some of the new things that I've learned during this discussion. So absolutely. Thanks so much, Julie, for joining Dare to Rise tonight. Thank you. It's been so great to talk with you. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Julie. So, <laughs> hi Tina. What a wonderful conversation! I really loved getting to know more about Julie, um, her business, and her story. What an incredible story that Julie um, has, and that she got to share. And I love that she's living her authentic truth. Yes, me too. Um, it's so interesting how our backgrounds and culture and how we're raised really can influence us in our lives and and how she has taken the way she was raised with so with so many sister brothers and sisters um, and really applied that to how she can give back now to people that are looking for um uh, a healthier space, a healthier living space, um, more organization. So I think you and I both really connected on the question that she posed on what's inspiring you and, um, or what's expiring you. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, it was, it was simple, but so profound truly, because mm-hmm. you have so much stuff and, and clutter and really a lot of that is expiring you. And, and I loved how she described, um, discussing each space in your home and what that represents. And is it inspiring you? What, what joy is it bringing, um, being mindful of, of what we are, you know, immersing ourselves in in your home, because your home, like Julie was saying, your home really should be your haven. Yeah. So I know my call to action for myself is to clean my bedroom first. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And mine is not to procrastinate when it comes to laundry (laughs) and just get it done and out of the way. Cause I always do feel so much better when, um, that's out, but I'm out and out of the way. So So no, I think that's great. But um, just again, great, great conversation. All of Julie's, um, her social media information will be in the bio. Um, please go and support her. And um, just, it's going to be exciting to see Julie's book when that gets published and just the journey that she is on and continues to be on. And I'm so grateful for her coming on Dare to Rise tonight to share with us that beautiful journey. 
Absolutely, Nicole. As always, <laughs> this is great. So, no, absolutely. So, until next time, I hope everybody, um, all of our listeners, always remember to choose to dare to rise. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you want to be there. I bring you away. Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good. Let's go and vibe with me. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you want to be there. I bring you with me. This is what I'm doing. Tell me that you want to do it with me. This is what I'm doing. Tell me that you'll